Hi everyone, this is Will, and in our inaugural Stiff Neck Studio broadcast, my buddy David and I go over the upcoming Space Marine reveals and uh, what we think Space Marines might be, hope they might be, and uh, how we think it's going to affect everything in the future, along with a few tangents along the way about Games Workshop, uh, pricing, rules, and, and getting more people into the hobby. Enjoy! Was it this last week? They did like a crazy apocalypse mega battle, right? Yeah. At, at Warhammer World, and so they previewed. You know, they they primarized uh, Tigerius, the chief librarian Tigerius, which is here. Ooh. So that's the model that's coming out for Tigerius as a primaris. It's it's okay. I mean, it, it kind of it looks like him, just you know, I guess bigger. What is that? I thought I was making Skype bigger, but really I was just taking a stupid picture. Oh. Um, and then... Um, so I think it looks cool. It's whatever. Um, but the, and then they, they also um, uh, did uh, Corsara Khan, which is cool. Um, so White Scars, Primaris... Uh, like he's holding a fucking head, <laughs> and the I don't get okay. So the, I was looking at this is one thing. Look, he's got he's got purity seals on the inside of his cloak, like a weirdo. He's just who, trying to hide that he's a good guy. Like who? <laughs> like, why would you do that? It does <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the I mean, horse the horse pommel's cool. He's a he's a chaos space marine basically, and he's trying to hide that he's a good guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got the the banner thing on his back with the skulls. Like, yeah. there's a lot about him. I do like that the bird has a has an artificial enhanced eye. Why the fuck does he need a giant bird? Like, what use is that in a battlefield in the year forty thousand where you have all sorts of crazy technology? I mean, the bird would instantly die. It's just fucking stupid. <laughs> It's, I mean, yeah, I'm with you on that one, um, right? And so that tells you, you know, I I can see, you know, maybe some blood angels, um, or space wolf characters getting the primaris treatment. Um, oh no doubt, archangel ones, yeah. I it, it's so, obvious at this point that every single character that already exists, and maybe some that don't, are going to be turned into primaris marines because. What everyone was saying two years ago was 100% going to be the case that all your small marines are going to be invalidated pretty soon. Yeah. It, you know? No. What was that? When the other group completed the DX, the damage report. Yeah. Baltimore, they didn't list who was the driver and who was the passenger. Dummies. Nice. Good thing you asked that. Yeah. I'm on webcam. Dressed. Okay. <laughs> He's recording this. For what? This is like, he wants to do like a podcast. Yeah, this is this is version zero. This, this is going to be working version. But anyway, uh, check yeah, it what's out. This thing? this thing looks retarded. It's like, it doesn't make any sense with the fluff. So dreadnoughts, which is what that looks like, are supposed to be like the dead remnants or the nearly dead remnants of a space marine, but this is like some stupid thing that you see in like Titanfall or 
total recall where you've got a normal space marine inside a big suit like why not just put everybody in these big suits yeah so so here's the deal on this so this is like the vanguard dreadnought you know it looks like it's got four heavy stubbers and then it's got a heavy a pistol heavy bolter like yeah, why the hell does he have a handheld gun it's a fucking giant machine uh I've, I've been wanting to make a meme where it's it's um the perfection meme where it's uh you know give give me a give me an, an exosuit and it's got like the aliens one no it needs to have i mean an exosuit with guns and then it's got the one from uh um, matrix. matrix yeah the yeah. matrix and then it's like and and then it's got uh or give me one with more guns and then it's got this one as the last one is perfection yeah i mean it's like it's like they said no i need something with the manual dexterity to shoot a hair point trigger for no real reason <laughs> it's an incredibly stupid design and engineering decision and yeah. it just looks dumb on the model but it's supposed to be that they're quiet and that they I think they can infiltrate. Uh, I feel like that thing is super loud. I mean, look at the size of it. And when it starts shooting off any of its guns, infiltration's over. It doesn't like if you want something quiet, it needs to look like this the Tau stealth suit. Yeah. So anyway, so that so that's the stuff that did. And here's the other one. Check it out, Primaris Rhino. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's like the death knell for every other single non-primaris model so uh but i mean it looks like this has it, what's funny is it has side sponsors it's it looks like it's got storm bolter side sponsors or whatever it's got on the other side so it's got like two storm bolters and then it looks like these look like heavy stubbers again like it's got three heavy stubbers or a, a twin heavy stubber a heavy stubber and two storm bolters i mean that would be good uh so if the Rhino could move from just purely being a pure APC to being an APC that has anti-infantry capabilities, I mean, that would take it to a next level because um, right now nobody plays with Rhinos because they cost too much points and they don't really provide that much protection. And, you know, there's a lot of issues with the Rhino in general, but if the Rhino can, can dual hat, yes, it can carry your guys and, protect them a little bit but probably not for long because it's still going to blow up really quickly but it also is at bare minimum a guns platform that replicates the firepower of the squad that's inside of it then it actually has some real uses i think in the game mm. yeah i think yeah because then it just gets out and it, I, I think it works pretty well the problem is when you do that then he starts making it look more points right like um sometimes they give they they add points value to the capability to carry the guns yeah you, and in addition to also making you pay for the guns, where it's like, oh, well, like a tank that ha I can't yes. have anything on it is 80 points, but a tank that can have guns on it, that's 100 points. But then also we're going to make you pay for the guns. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm OK with paying more. For, like, for me, points don't matter. Like, what? how many points a, a, a unit costs in the game is irrelevant to me. At the, at, at the end of the day, the decision that I'm making of whether or not I'm willing to pay those points is do I believe those points are efficient and do I believe that they're reasonable considering the capability of the thing. So let me give you a really good example in current 8th edition of something that I think is absolutely stupid and how much it costs in terms of points. 
and I would never, ever, ever take it. So looking at the Necron death marks, right? The death marks used to be pretty scary, sniper-wise, in 7th and 6th edition and earlier. But if you look at them now, they're like, I believe, 18 or 21 points a model. And they have a really cool rule. They have a rule that nobody else in the game has. So every everybody and their mom can like deep strike in 40k 8th edition. It's not a big deal. They have that ability. But they have another ability called like Ethereal Interception, where basically um, when you deep strike a unit or you bring something in from reserves, I can choose to bring in the death marks immediately after you place your units. And I can place them within 12 inches of the unit that you just placed. And I can shoot at you out of turn as a sort of like an interception response. And then you get your normal turn. That's a really cool mechanic. Now, here's why I think they're really bad. That mechanic itself isn't worth what they cost. I mean, we're talking about a strength four, toughness four unit with one wound, a three up armor save. And yes, they're snipers, so they can shoot at characters and they can do mortal wounds on a roll of a six up to wound. But the gun that they have is completely useless. It, for all intents and purposes, it's a it's a standard bolter. It's a 24-inch rapid-fire strength 4 damage 1 AP 0 gun. And I'm paying 21 points a model for these guys. No, that's completely useless. Yeah, since never... your take is like take a sniper scout, add its, improve its armor save by 1, and give it this that, that deep striking ability, the counter deep strike. Well, here, here's here's a better example. Let's take a tactical marine squad and let them counter deep strike, and that's what it is. I mean, I know you can say that uh, you can you can do mortal wounds on a six up, but what are the odds of like how many sixes do you think you're possibly going to roll? You know? Yeah. What's the max squad size? Because it changes, right? Like if it's if you can make it a big unit and you can be like, hey, I can guarantee killing a small character. That's that like gene stealer cult really needs even if i'm overpaying you know but if you can only ever take five of them like eh, that's not good well so i think the max squad size is 10 i mean don't quote me you know the ins and outs on these necron stuff i don't play necrons i've just been reading it recently but at the end of the day even 10 10 models right in one unit within its rapid fire distance 12 inches which you can't actually do because the rule of the counter insertion requires you to be at least 12 inches away, right? So you're going to be beyond your rapid fire distance. You're going to have 10 shots on something. How many sixes to wound are you going to roll on 10 shots? Statistically zero, because you're only going to roll, um, you know, you're probably only going to roll about seven hits. Just straight up, you know, it's just a bad unit and they cost way too many points. And and so going back to the point that I was making earlier, right? I don't care how many points a unit costs. I care if the points that the unit costs are valuable to what it actually brings to the table. Yeah, I mean I get that. The and that was my my thought on is if if you if you charge for the ability to take guns and then charge for the guns, you'll probably there's a good chance where you're overcosting the unit and how much you pay is not worth what you're getting. Right. Um, and so, and they're also going to come out with the kits for the infiltrators and the, uh, the eliminators. And then this, like, I think this is like a custom, like is like a Phobos Sergeant, like a limited edition one that has like this really cool smoke launcher thing. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's just another thing that's hard to paint. 
So what they they did hint at it wasn't in this one I think uh, maybe maybe it was in this one hint that the um um the the oh, the fo- the first um uh, Primaris the f- the first Phobos armor guys the the troop choice the older ones that are in the Codex what are they called um these the Reavers that the uh-huh. the Reavers blades m- are getting better so m- they might become a little bit more combat oriented I think we we you and I speculated on that before of like just change if you just change the profile like they'll be really good. So from day one, I've always said the Reavers are probably, without even the points reductions, they're probably the most immediately playable Primaris Marines that came out from the first release. But the problem is, GW was like, hey, let's make a close combat sort of unit and not give them any real close combat weapons. So if they either improve the blades to being like power swords or something like that, or they finally, for God's sakes, allow... Primaris Marines to start taking dedicated close combat weapons like Thunder Hammers and Lightning Claws and Power Swords and all that stuff, right? Then you got something because those units are really good. Like, I personally really like their Assault 2 uh, uh, bolters with, or, or no, they're Assault 4, aren't they? Oh, I don't remember on the. On those, I haven't looked at them in so long. I mean, I like the infiltrators are like to me now they're immediately good, right? Like yeah. the infiltrators are just good because they are they they're a better counter to Gene Slayer cult than most armies can do because no, of the, the because of these the the arrays they have. Every single one of the Primaris models from the the second round of Primaris releases that we saw with Shadow Sphere, I think they're yeah. all good. The problem is, okay are Space Marines now playing like that? And these are wholesale replacements for the line? Or are we going to see Primaris replacements of our traditional Space Marine units like we see with the Intercessors, right? And they're just, they're, they're coming, but they're not here yet, you know? If yeah. That, that, that's the big question. And if the answer to that question is no, then I become really intrigued of what you're going to do with like Space Wolves or Blood Angels the more close combat oriented armies, you know, even um, uh, what are they called? The Black Templars, because none of these new Primaris models are necessarily good at close combat. They're they're really they're, they're really enticing, especially from a shooting perspective. But they're not good in assault. And if those armies are oriented strictly around assault, they're automatically inferior armies. Yeah, and here's the thing too. So um, I, I may have told you before that that the in Apocalypse, when the Apocalypse rules came out, the data sheet for the Eliminators has two weapons on it. It has their sniper gun rifles, right? But it also has Laz fusels that had a profile like they're good at hurting armor. And so they did say like, yep, Laz fusels are going to be a gun that they're going to get in their full kit, which sort of validates my decision on like I'm not going to buy the Shadow Spear boxes because i think people these units are going to get other guns right right like that are that are going to be more useful and so and i agree 100 um, percent with you you should never buy it you should never like the way that gw has been doing the releases and they've showed us since the beginning of eighth edition is you should never buy the runs when they first come out because even look at the intercessors right those boxes from the box set they didn't come with their power fists they didn't come with the different kinds of bolt rifles that they have which they got access to in a little bit and that's super annoying yeah, I mean, like, I ended up... So the Power Fist, it's still not in there. 
um, when I bought the box, like it doesn't yeah. come with a power fist. I had to use a regular Space Marine one, which isn't a big deal. Their arms are the same size, and, right. and the hands are the same size. It's just that their their uh, their legs are longer and their torsos longer. But um, but um, but yeah, the the ten man box comes with the other guns and all the other little bits and stuff you can put on them to make them look more detailed. Whereas the 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 box set one does not it, I mean, it just comes with the one rifle right so if you wanted to change you wouldn't be able to do it so so that's on this part right like that's cool right and they oh and they, and they said like hey codex space marines right and you're gonna get um a total of of six books right so we get ultramarines they have on this one retracted i guess they didn't decide until late that they were going to do white scars with it so right. it's ultramarines and white scars and then four more supplements how right? uh how amazing would it be if the Ultramarine supplement is Gilliman no longer gives the rerolls to all wounds too? <laughs> uh, I mean, that would be a weird one, right? Because like, how how like it, it's a weird thing to put him apart because then it's then it's he is you're paying for his extra individual model stuff compared to to the chapter master character, right? Because they compared to Calgar, because Calgar has reroll all hits, right? Sure. Um, I mean, it would be interesting if it's it's literally he's just it's not reroll all wounds if it's he's literally the combination of a chapter master and a lieutenant, where oh, it yeah. all hits and reroll all wound rolls of one. I mean, I would I would love if there was one character that was reroll hits of one and wounds of one. I mean, I get that we want to differentiate lieutenants and captains from each other but i think captain general trajan does for me for the custodia is like he's re-roll hit rolls of one re-roll wound rolls of one and it's annoying it's it's failed ones i just i just think it would be better from a design standpoint to have one character that's sort of like the force enabler and one character that's the champion this is my beat stick you know this is the guy that he doesn't he doesn't facilitate people being good he goes out there and, and he wins stuff and, you know, from a, a doctrinal standpoint, uh, in historical militaries and even in a lot of, like, fantasy and science fiction worlds, right, your captain wouldn't be that guy. Your captain would be the force enabler that you keep behind. And your your champion at arms would be somebody that's more expendable, like your lieutenant. Yeah, it's like they've – well, it's, it's kind of like they've invalidated the, 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 the emperor's champion – you know the the chapter, oh, yeah. the chapter champion sort yeah. of like stuff of like well that dude should be the like hey he's got he's got eight wounds like he's like maxed out on wounds and he's like strength five with a ridiculous weapon and a great save with an invuln and he's your beat stick that costs a lot of points but has a lot of rules right. but instead he's like yeah this dude's got you know he's got four wounds or five wounds and you know he's got four attacks and you know yeah he could take he can't take a thunder hammer you only take a power sword like you're like what and he can't take a jump pack and it's like no this dude should be like the baller right Right. that you pay a lot of points for a dude that's just like rex face he doesn't buff anybody but just like murders things right he should be the smash captains like and smash the smash sessions couldn't be that the smash captains shouldn't exist they should be like hey you run them on foot only like i think that's what they're doing with the new primera stuff like they can't take jump packs but then give us a beat stick character that's like a smash captain 
that you just run up and blast people or at least a unit that does you know like give us give us something like that anyway so we got ultramarines white scars and then four others you know i assume you got iron hands in here maybe imperial fists and their successor chapters in here right because you've got crimson fists and black templars um, which they did something cool, by the way, which we'll talk about later in the and stuff. And then, um, you know, salamanders and uh, probably raven guard. Um, and then that's it, right? And then you have the dark angel space wolves, blood angels as their own books um, that aren't just little small supplements. Right. Um, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to actually go back to what we were just talking about for a second real quick. And then I'd like to go on a small rant about something else that we mentioned, but we didn't really talk about in, in more depth, something that we've talked about in the past. So first, what we were just talking about, you know, for all those people listening who may disagree with what we were just saying, that your captain should be strong at combat. I'm not saying your captain shouldn't be a good combatant or have good stats or anything like that as the leader of the force. But realistically... The guy who's leading is leading because he knows strategy and tactics and doctrine, and those are what are enabling him to be a force multiplier. It's a different set of skills than just being able to go and perform extremely well in combat or on the battlefield. I'm not saying that they can't be adequate at them, but their primary focus is no longer martial prowess, and that has a lot of historical precedent that, you know, obviously these universes are drawing from, so that makes sense. Um, On another note, when we were talking about how annoying it is that GW makes these kits with some of the weapon options that are needed and not all of them. And then they release later kits with the other options. I think this is a really good opportunity for GW to maybe get some people back in the fold in terms of really appreciating what they do with the kits, because I think GW's built up a lot of negative will over the years by providing options in the books for people to take and not having those options within the kits. And I know rules are going to always change in terms of what, what loadouts you can take and things are going to be very different. But for God's sakes, I mean, GW should at least allow players to buy gun options individually without having to buy entire kits um, at a smaller price instead of having to pay another $60 for a box. If I'm paying $60 for a box of five infantry models or 10 infantry models, it better at least come with all the war gear options that I might want to run and play with because otherwise if I have to buy three or four boxes of these guys just to get the guns that I want we're talking about $240 maybe I only need 20 of these troops that's a really really big motivation for players to want to go through illicit means and buy recasted weapons at the minimum which is really the gateway into the whole recast thing in general that, that's something that's happened. It happened with the with the kits coming out now for Chaos, right? Like, they don't have all the guns. Yeah. Including the one that most people like the most right now. Yeah, so it just doesn't gun. happen. Yeah, no, for the... Um, the well, so you're, there's that. Yeah, the Chaos Space Marine, the, the chain gun isn't in it. There, well, there's only yeah. one of the chain gun. Yeah. Um, there's two everything else, and I think one of the chain gun. I think their thing was, right? Like, it's like fitting it on the sprue, right? Like, I get it. At least they had one. Um, it's annoying that they didn't put two on there of the newest gun. Like, obviously, people are going to want to build that. But um, the the Chaos um, Knights don't... They, they only have a small number of the options. You can't make one of the options at all. Um, it just... The weapon's not in the kit. So that's, that's kind of annoying. Um, 
you know, it, it still makes sense if like, hey, most people are going to magnetize it. They give you limited options and then they sell the kit separate. Um, at least for the nights, they've been selling the kit separate as here's the rest of the stuff and you don't have to buy like a second night or a different night, like with the whole body just to get the other things. Um, like selling the other extra weapon options, that especially universal ones would be fine. And I see that as a way to reduce the like free up space on the sprues. Right. Right. Stop selling, stop putting like the bolters, like the, the, the bolt pistols in every sprue, you know, some people don't even want to put them on cause they want to paint them. Sell, sell like bolt pistols and maybe basic bolt rifles and sell some, a lot of that stuff, maybe separate as its own thing. And, and for the specialized stuff, just sell the the main kit you know it, i think maybe they're relying on people like oh go to forge world and buy the ford world ones like bro i don't want to spend forge world prices on a on a freaking power sword you know i want to have to buy five power swords or the power weapon set for i don't know what it is i think it's like 20 bucks i can't remember the 20 bucks or something for the power weapon sets nuts um so uh just to get you know one power weapon you know one power fist for space marine or whatever um as a new person as an old person it's like fine like i've got a big bits thing over here that's a long that's huge but um you know it it's hard for a new person to get in and you know especially people now a lot of people are getting in and wanting to be you know competitive and like they, they want to win and they're annoyed that they can't get the options they want and like having to buy a whole bunch of stuff is unfortunate, but um, I want to spend not, too much time on that anyway. Yeah. I mean, but it's not just annoying. It's expensive. And you know, when you and I switched over to 40 K right coming from fantasy, the, the question of weapon options and equipment options in general is always the gateway drug to well how can i get these cheaper you know and that's why the recast community is taking such a big portion of their profits they they provide those weapon options cheap and separately yeah it's that simple and it's a gateway and then you, you do it once and then it's easy to do it again with more and more. And then you're buying models and then you're buying maybe a whole army of plastic sisters because they couldn't get People couldn't get a hold of the metal sisters right. easily for all the times they were out of stock and, and they want to play them and they don't feel like carrying 50 pounds of metal. And they're like, I, you know, I already ordered weapons from these people. And so like, I can totally see that as a way that you just like get on the train of, of buying recast stuff. And it's really unfortunate, you know, I mean, it's a similar problem that other brands have, you know, like Dr. Gucci about, you know, people making knockoffs of their stuff. Like it's a constant battle. Whenever you have a high margin product, you know, high margin luxury, good, you're going to have knockoffs and it's going to be a constant battle to try to combat that. And you know, one thing is availability, right? Like, don't be out of stock. Out of stock should never be a reason someone goes to a recaster, right? right. And right now they're having epic level of unavailability where kits are not there because they can't make the models fast enough. I mean, because honestly, 
in what in uh two year in two years they've grown by like 150 percent or something in their revenue it's nuts like they are the number one performing stock last year and for all of the uk <laughs> they're one of the number one performing stocks in the stock market period i mean in 2015 when we were talking about gw getting ready to go out of business when they were dissolving fantasy uh their share price was around 497 pounds a share and it's increased to about 4,300 pounds per share as of yesterday. I was looking at it. And this is a dividend paying stock, you know? I mean, it's, 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 it's honestly becoming one of my greatest investment regrets, not taking some side money and buying GW stock. I mean, that's how well it's been doing. But their success is come, in my opinion, with the change in leadership at the top with catering more to the actual players and the lore and all the stuff that makes the universe is cool, but that will only sustain itself as long as people perceive them to be a customer friendly company. And they're, they still have a ways to go to really build that reputation. And I think if GW is really going to use somebody as a model to emulate, you got to look at wizards of the coast and what they've been doing with magic the gathering. I mean, I think there's no argument there. Yeah, it's correct. Like the Wizards has blown it like with Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons, like they've those two franchises for them are enormous. I mean, Magic's the bigger one and it, it's selling like crazy. Yeah, you know, Magic has always been Wizards of the Coast's bell cow. I mean, for for a while it was Pokémon, you know, when that was hot, but very quickly because of, of cultural shifts and the way people are perceiving the coolness of D&D, D&D is starting to become that real big bell cow for Wizards of the Coast, which is really unusual, considering that it costs next to nothing to play D&D. It's almost a virtually free game. Yeah, I mean, I think what they've done is they've made it, they have a lot of... Um licensed products like you can buy you know dungeons and dragons licensed miniatures that are pre-painted that you can use in campaign like i saw i was in um that dragon's lair austin yesterday at the tournament and and since i wasn't playing in the tournament i was just helping with toing a 28 man rtt which is nuts um it was all we needed was to have two more rounds and and go into a second day by a few minutes, and we would have qualified as an ITC GT. But um, they, I was looking at the the art, the D and D miniatures. You know, I was looking at the Reaper stuff, and they have like a whole Dungeon of the Mad Mage set that's pre-painted. You know, that's that's got like the construct um, laying on a table and. And just has all this stuff specific to Dungeon of the Mad Mage, you know. And it was like fifty bucks for like twenty miniatures that are pre-painted, um, you know. And it's just licensed, and it's like that stuff's cheap to make. And and so they've expanded into that is like the the other stuff you want to buy with, in addition to making really good mod- modules. Like they're turning out the, like supplemental modules pretty quickly. Um, with all these like the shorter campaigns that are you know it only they're only meant to take you five levels you know or they do the the one to five intro that ties into the bigger one i mean the the horde of the dragon queen like full campaign thing i think it goes into three because it's it's three different campaigns or something like that and i mean the 
the Ravenloft one is is too separate because you have the there's a one to five campaign like set set for that, and then you start at level five. Dungeon of the Mad Mage has Dragon Heist, and then it goes into Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um, so they're doing great from that standpoint of making all the other stuff and focusing on the publishing and all the peripherals and like honestly, like what um, Games Workshops seems to be doing the same. I mean, they're coming out with a with a 40k or they're in works for a 40k tv show about eisenhorn which is gonna be nuts like i think that'd be pretty cool like that's a great thing to choose as like a tv series well you know for for all the collectors out there right like if if you're becoming an optimist about games workshop in the united states and the 40k model and all those which i think the investors are and I think there's a lot of evidence pointing to these good signs. I think one of the things that you might want to keep on your radar is that new 40K card game that they've got out there, a collectible card game. You know, so it's all the magic players out there. They're going to know, they know about what I'm about to ask. What is the Black Lotus of this 40K card game? The Black Lotus that you wish you bought when it was maybe $5 in 2019 or 2018. And in 15 years, it's going to be at least 1000 bucks, right? Because this lore, this license, this universe pre-existed magic, and it will be here probably longer than magic. I'm not saying magic is going to end as a game or it's going to end as a phenomenon, but the 40K universe and the fantasy universes and their different like incarnations are here to stay. I mean, it's such a robust book and media universe at this point. It's, it's, it's greater than the game itself. What happens if they have a really entertaining card game that is a direct competitor to magic and magic's a great game but magic's an old game you know there's a lot of issues with magic and there's nothing to say that there won't be something more technically sound coming around the corner to replace it yeah i've got a couple packs i got for in the adepticon like swag bag um for stuff that I haven't opened. I mean, like, I, have, I don't even know what to do with it because I was like, I'm not going to get into this. I guess I'll just throw them in with my, um, with my for, with my uh, magic cards over in the box. I'm looking at right now that has all my stuff, including my my full set of the Dominaria stuff because I liked the idea of them going back to Dominaria. So I got one of everything. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. yeah well, you know. It, we're we're way on a tangent right now from what we were talking about, but this this Warhammer card game to most of the Warhammer players out there probably sounds dumb and not anything that they're interested in, but it's actually really important to you as a Warhammer 40k player, or a Sigmar player, or a Kill Team player, or so on and so forth. And and you're probably wondering why. And the answer why is popularization of the universe and access to the universe. Will just talked about how he plays um, or can play 40K in local access in his community, readily available, and it's easy, and there's a big community. But 40K has a big problem that the Wizards of the Coast universes don't, and it's access. So when I lived in the D.C. area, it's a large area, has three GW stores. There still wasn't that robust of a 40K or fantasy community. I, for one, have never seen Age of Sigmar played anywhere where I've ever lived, ever. And I've lived in some big markets. I'm talking about in Denver, in Pittsburgh, in the D.C. area. Um, Where I live now in central Pennsylvania, just two hours north, 
there's nowhere where I can play or no one I can play with 40K or fantasy or any of those other properties. And that's a big issue for GW in the long run. They need to find some way to either insert themselves into all these markets, kind of like Friday Night Magic has done for Wizards, or um, the Arena D&D campaign things. And I think the card game might be the easy low entry option to doing that because once they get people interested in the universe they will start branching out into these other things but gw needs to be able to break itself into all these other markets and not just be what it largely is in the united states it's still a boutique niche game yeah and it's i mean they're i think their attempt at it um to lower barrier of entry for the miniatures part has been been kill team and the fantasy one. I can't, I have nine hot stuff in my head. Uh, Warhammer Underworlds, and Was then Satisfire maybe or no? Yeah, well, it's it's Warhammer Underworlds is like the main one, and they had um, Shadespire and Shadespire. Yeah, Shadespire. Shadespire was like you know season one, and then Night Vault is season two, but mm-hmm. it's called Warhammer Underworlds, Shadespire, Warhammer Underworlds, Night Vault. And then you have Kill Team, and then the expansions for Kill Team, which what I've heard from people, I haven't played the expansions, the one that lets you take uh, elite units, the one that lets you have a commander, like a hero, um, are both good. Um, and you can, and even playing with all those options is good. Um, and then, and, and those have been really popular. I know a lot of people have been going to the cons, going to Adepticon, and they're like, I'm going to play it in Kill Team th- event because they're fast. You know, you can play in an evening like you could with Magic where like, oh, I did the tournament during the day. This tournament starts at 8 and it's over, you know, at 1 a.m. like a Magic tournament would be. And like, that's it. Like, it's 8, to, 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. And right. I play the full tournament. And like, I played a full 40K tournament in the day. And then I played I, I, <laughs> I played Kill Team at night, which is nuts. But in the end, you still need the players. And... It requires, it doesn't require painting, but, it, you know, to get the full experience, it requires painting and stuff, too. And the card game is a lot easier to access. And more importantly, the card game can be put in a virtual form, which, to your point, is, you know, anyone on the globe right now can play Magic the Gathering any time of the day they want to, even if they, like, can't leave their home. Because yep. if they have a computer, they can play Magic Online and they can go and play that game anywhere. And the Magic Online community is huge. It's the I can't even imagine the number of people that play that. But um, I'd have to look it up. But I know it's there's probably more people that play Magic Online now than played Magic at all when you and I stopped playing Magic. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that that's a hundred percent the case. I mean that's why my fastest appreciating asset has been my magic cards, which sounds stupid. And I'm heavily invested in the stock market. But, um, but, but a side note, you know, I would love to play Saturday night kill team. Like why does games workshop not do what wizards of the coast does and rolls out um, tournament support for local game stores to start doing kill team tournaments maybe saturday night so they don't even have to compete with the magic markets that these stores often hold up themselves as a profit source i mean they could be done just as long time as a magic tournament and on top of that the barrier to entry to kill team is like nothing it's maybe a hundred dollars at the most which is cheaper than any uh tournament uh caliber type two deck for 
uh, magic anyways. I think the starter set's 80 bucks or under $80. Right. And and, and, the, and it comes with terrain yeah. and, and Gene Circle and Primaris Marines. Right. And, and I wouldn't limit myself to a kill team army that's just from the armies from traditional 40k that I play. I, I would play any and any and all armies that strike my fancy from month to month because it's like eight models. Like, who cares? Yeah. And, um, and so I like, I actually like that. I mean, you can do, they can do tokens as price support. I mean, like the traditional like wizards thing is like they do, they do a single Friday night magic only card. That's got the F and M embossed onto it in gold. Right. Yeah. And then, um, but then also prize support um, that's a limited amount, right? Um, at one point, it was a good, a, a pretty significant amount of prize support. I think that's that's waned a little bit where the 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 prize support incentive, it, it, they have a pretty complex process now um, from what I get from my buddy Dustin. But it's, uh, I, I think it's a good model to emulate, um, even if you're only doing it at the at the Warhammer stores, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, the Warhammer or GW stores, depending on the on the branding, because they rebranded it. But the even if you're only doing those, like you know, I mean, I get it. You, you have to have the people there. The store's gonna be open later, and and the staffing is limited. But I mean, it's worth it to like maybe be open for fewer hours on like Monday through Wednesday, if you can have that, you know, the manager stay late on Saturday night and run these kill team events like that don't take up a lot of space because you could, you can run two of them on one six by four table. So if you've got two tables in there, I mean, you you right now have an eight person event, which is fine. Yeah. And and what would the prizes be from the money that you pay more Warhammer models, which is going to just drive you to, to playing more and getting more players to play more. And it's going to get newer players into the hobby quicker because, you know, maybe you're a 14 year old kid that doesn't have a lot of money, but you know, even as a 14 year old kid, I had a 2000 point high elf army in sixth edition. And that definitely cost way more than a kill team army would. And, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good savvy player when it comes to games in general. And I guarantee you after a while, I'd probably leverage my kill team army into a 2000 point army of 40k pretty easily just through prize support. Yeah. Cause eventually you're just going to run out of options and you're going to be like, I literally have all the options duplicated for all the possibilities of the limited kill team assortment. And then now all the elites and then now all the commanders. So it's like, well, I guess I'm expanding ultramarines to the other stuff too. Right. Yeah. I, I, I see it as a no lose model for GW and, I really hope that they they start doing something like this. I mean, I would get a kick out of it. I, I would start playing Kill Team tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, you actually have people that over there... I, I guarantee there's people on um, over there by, by post that play, so... Um, there's not. How is that, how is that possible? It, it does not make sense. Anyway... There's not. But, um, oh, so anyway, Space so we'll go to the books. Now let's go back to Space Marines. Okay, so we got Shock Assault, which is getting added to, and they shall know no fear and bolt through discipline, right? So this is going for everybody. And this this is the talk all this. Yesterday, I think everyone was talking about this at the tournament. Um, 
you know, it, it came out, this update came out on, I think, Saturday or Friday. And then, you know, yesterday, this is all anyone could talk about was the plus one attack, you know, when you charge our charge or, or do a heroic intervention, which is so good. Um, and the possibilities of this are, you know, I, when I think about it, I think about like, oh, shit, vigilist veteran intercessors. Like when you do a Dominus Crusaders and then make a 10 man veteran intercessor squad, it's like, holy shit, these just have four texts on the charge <laughs> um, for the normal codex stuff. And, and, you know, and I know that Blood Angels right now, they don't have access to the Vigilus detachments, but, you know, maybe that'll change. But, uh, but there's a lot to like about this. You know, on, on that note, since you say Blood Angels, I see Shock Assault and I say, oh my God. I can take Terminators now with two lightning claws and have four attacks, re-rolling wounds with the plus one to wound from the Blood Angel chapter tactics. That's really good, actually. Like, the lightning claws are going to give you the minus two to your saves. You know, I, I, I don't need to have a Thunder Hammer to try to kill you. You know, even if you're an Imperial Knight, I'm wounding you on fives. And I've got four shots at it, re-rolling. Probably my hits and my wounds because of all the character support. And then you may have a three-up save, but it's going to be at minus two. I'm willing to take those odds. Yeah, not only that, if, I mean, depending on what you've got with character support, you could you could actually be wounding on on fours. Yeah. Um, because if you're strength five. Yep. Um, with the, the plus one from the... There's yeah. Yeah. And so... You know, you're hitting a knight, you know, T8. So you're just like, hey, you know, normally winning on fives, winning on fours now, re-rolling the ones, twos, and threes. Um, so I think I think it'd be really good on that. Um, and it makes a lot of stuff. I mean, people were talking yesterday about, like, you know, Sanguinary Guard now. Sanguinary Guard with three attacks, like, makes you feel a lot better about them. Um, you know, it's, it's just across the board, like, the Assault Army part. I mean, Ultramarines are not getting a huge buff from this because the army build has been more towards shooting. I disagree um, with you. I think this is a massive buff for ultramarines. And, and the reason why is it's already not a very useful tactic to charge them because they're going to disengage and shoot you anyway with that penalty. But now, even when I try to do that a little bit, it's going to cost me more. I know, like, they're not a melee-oriented army, but the fact that they can now hit me back a little bit more just for it to be ineffective, it really, really, like, makes me not want to charge your units at all unless I'm absolutely sure I take them out. I mean, I guess the annoying thing, too, is it means that Gilliman has one more attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's no reason why the Ultramarines can't be good at assault. I mean, you can have Gilliman surrounded by a bunch of assault centurions. Oh, my God. Like... <laughs> That's just ridiculous. With his with his uh with his bodyguards too tanking moods for him that are also yeah. good in combat who get extra right. attack because they have power swords and and freaking storm shields, you know, and I think three attacks each normally, so be four attacks with those with those power swords, right. you know. And the, yeah, the, the ability to tank Gilliman's wound, like it does open a lot of opportunities where people, you know, maybe people can play it where it's, you have that move up and then you bring like the shooting element and they're just hanging back. Right. That are those new tanks, you know, the, that are just, Hey, you know, I'm shooting the big gun. I'm getting Gilliman's rerolls. Gilliman, the other guys are about to charge um, after we shoot you one last time. Right. 
Yeah, and, and I know what we're saying doesn't really sound all that competitive for the competitive community out there, but the thing is, once this changes and hits the meta, we have to reassess every single Space Marine unit in every faction against the points that they're doing, because I don't think the points values are going to change in these books. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe they go up a little bit here and there. If anything, I think they're going to go down in some places, but who knows what's going to become really efficient. You know, one thing that I haven't seen for a while that used to really dominate the tournament scene was the Thunderwolf Cav and and the uh, the Wolfen from, from the Space Wolves, and they're not going to be sad about gaining another attack. You know, that's going to make them even more of a compelling choice in the competitive meta. But the things that I think already win more here, and we've talked about this on the phone before, is your regular old Intercessor. I mean, the Intercessor with the point drops is actually really good. And now you start giving the Intercessors a third attack. I mean, yeah. they start becoming deadly, especially in some of the melee-oriented armies. I mean, we've made the list with the Blood Angels. You could take 60 Intercessors layered with all the different command benefits, and those things are absolutely terrifying. And that's yeah, where, it, where it's Intercessors that are getting plus one attack, plus one strength. Plus one wound. Yeah, and they and they get plus one, yeah, and they get the plus one to wound inherently, and then you know you're putting power fists on the sergeants, and it's like, oh, this sergeant, like with this now, it's like, oh, the sergeant has has five attacks at strength ten, with plus one to wound. And it's like, yeah. ooh, that that might do some serious damage to people, and oh yeah, and the unit has a five up feel no pain. You know, you're investing a lot of in characters, and you're really relying on troops buffed by characters to do the work i mean the characters can also block you know jump out and and blow you up but you know it's hard to chew through all those bodies that's very hard i mean if they touch you you die yeah i mean you might scoff at what we're saying in your head but actually sit down and think about the math for it because you run corbulo around all six of these units and now that they'd be having three attacks, probably four if they get access to the Vigilist attachments, you know, and you want to make some veteran Intercessor squads. Um, he gets the, uh, Corbulo gives the radius of the extra attacks generate on rolls of six, right? So all of a sudden, you're in for a really bad situation if you think you're going to just dominate 60 Intercessors at, at distance or in close combat. Um, I mean, one, they're secure... Uh, you know, objective secure. And then on top of that, their guns are pretty good. I mean, basically all intercessors are carrying Necron Gauss blasters. The fact that they're strength four, who cares? But the minus one of the AP is amazing. And you've got 60 of those. That's vicious. Yeah. And, and this is just the beginning, dude. So, so moving on to, right. Like, it's just talking about a like, kill team and stuff like that. So that's the end of that part, but then we get more. So, we, we look down in here and, you know, they go over like the collector's edition box, which uh, I thought was funny to me. They give, um, they, give the, the, they give the 10 coins, right? Yeah. I mean, these things are, this thing is going to be expensive. Uh, they didn't release the price, but so I noticed a few things. One, right. They're going to do 36 tactical objectives. I think that's four more than they had before. I think there were 32 tactical objectives previously for space Marines. Um, so this is just the base book. It's 13 psychic powers, right? So that's the library's discipline plus the Phobos discipline plus smite. Right. Um, but here's the here's the interesting part, right? 38 stratagems, 
right? So the base Space Ring book has 26. So you're talking about here's more, you know, an extra 12 stratagems for Space Marines. So they're going up a significant amount. Um, three combat doctrines, which I can't remember what the other thing for the combat doctrine. I don't really understand what that one is going to be. That should be interesting. Um, and then, huh? So the thing that I think, and I'm reading the tea leaves here and jumping ahead a little bit, that the combat doctrines is, is they have like one or two throwaway sentences in the book about how you will be able to design your own chapter. So what I'm thinking is the combat doctrines will be ways for you to build your own space marine chapter from the ground up. Yeah, so let me let me build on that. So and then seven litanies of battle. Litanies of battle um, reminds me of in the chaos, the new chaos space marine supplement. So this is for chaplains. They talk about it later. It's for chaplains get powers now, like their own thing that you roll and you get the powers that chaplains can grant benefits. Sorry, chaos, you had something cool and unique, and now we take it. Right, and so here's the other thing, right? So twenty seven chapter tactics, right? You have the eight main ones and then 19 successor chap tactics and later in this it, it, it tells you so for successors essentially you know a lot of these chapter tactics have two benefits if you noticed um, on a lot of them and so what it'll be is for the successor ones you mix and match and like pick two benefits and that's your your chapter tactic um it says later and it's in one of the, the updates I, I did a control search for it but i did confirm it says like when you build your successor chapter your custom successor it'll be picked to and and that's your those are your benefits which it i with with that many some of them are going to be broken yeah i mean i i i just can't wait to have the the successor blood angel space wolf chapter that it's plus one to hit and win I mean, I doubt that one's going to be a thing like that. It's going to be a little bit more, I think, uh, smaller on the benefit. You know, probably one of them is going to be like plus one leadership, right? Something like that. But I mean, that's like like the, the Ultramarine one is plus one leadership and they can fall back and shoot at minus one. Right? Yeah. Uh, right. So that's theirs. So uh, currently, so that's double benefit, right? It's it's building on those kind of stuff. So I think it's going to be something like that. Uh, but the problem is, is like, I would probably struggle to come up with 19 where some of them aren't overpowered that if you mix two of them together, it's going to be broken. So that's something to watch for of like, yeah, the main chapters may be cool and all, but they're set. The ability to customize it may be a serious balance problem. <laughs> it, it's a hundred percent going to be, I mean, you see the train coming a million miles away and you set it right. Uh, I think I think the big problem that we're going to see from this is if we see GW want to carry this reform through to other armies across the universe, they're going to be really hard pressed to come up with even more detailed stuff for some of these other armies. Um, you know, how many more variations of Tau and Necrons and stuff like that can you build off when when the lore is already pretty thin? It, you you can see that they were already challenged in doing factional abilities for some of these. Um, because they all seem pretty generic and they repeat. I, I, I'd really like to get a good laugh to see what they do if they try to differentiate a second or third stage with some of these other books. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's already been kind of a problem where you see sort of like copycat abilities 
yeah. um, about stuff and it and it it's not inherently bad um from a rule standpoint because you're working with different codexes and and it's the similar but different right where it's you know salamanders are reroll a hit reroll a wound and then i can't remember whether the orc one that's reroll a hit reroll wound and reroll the damage roll yeah right and they're 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 diff they're similar but different and but one of them is clearly better in a vacuum but they're being applied to different armies that have different yeah things that you can take and and it shouldn't make people upset but you still get the feel badsies you're right. When, when one person's like, you know, space uh, salamander player looking at like, why do I get the crappy one? And it only applies to my like bikes, infantry, and dreadnoughts. Where like this guy can like reroll his damage roll from his um, morcanaut. I don't know who would run a morcanaut, but uh, you know he can reroll the damage roll on his morcanaut, right? Like, yeah, that's not cool. No, it, it, it's not. And if there's one space marine or chaos space marine fan group in here that's probably sitting and crying out for justice. It's got to be the Imperial Fists and the Iron Warriors. I mean, they have the same exact trait. And boy, is it ho-hum. Yeah, I mean, and but at least the Imperial Fists got the benefit of the Vigilist Attachment, so they can throw right. mortal wounds at vehicles all day long. It's so, like, they feel better, right? Yeah. Like, Sweet, at least I can, like, do this. Or is Vigilist Attachment or the update in the, the White Dwarf but you know they're sitting there, you know, flinging mortal wounds at people. Where the Iron Warriors are just sitting there, like, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, I really, I really hope those two chapters get a rework in their chapter tactics, because I mean, honestly, it's no fun when a very lore-heavy chapter, and 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 it's not just chapters, but any lore-heavy army. And unfortunately, given the nature of the 40k universe, when we're talking about lore-heavy armies, it's it's probably going to be the Space Marines. Um. You know, some of the craft worlds individually, but but it's really sad when people are like, wow, I, I like this army, I like their paint scheme, I like their lore, but their crunch sucks, and it's not redeemable. Yeah, and I will get to that here in a minute, but, um, yeah, so this just goes on, like, data cards things, and, and, and so it'd be cool stuff, like dice, right? It's going to be white scars plus, and, and they, they just go on about it, right? And you're going to get white scars, primaries, upgrades, sprues, all the, like, bells and whistles that come with, like, a, hey, your codex is coming out kind of thing. Oh, but can, can you go back to the, the upgrade sprue? Because remember, GW's line a few years ago was, Oh yeah, these upgrade sprues that we've been making, those are good for everybody. We'll never make Primaris upgrade sprues. Yeah, so these are Primaris <laughs> upgrades and transfers, right? Shoulder pads, you know, you got the the arm with the 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 skulls with the hair on it, which is actually looks really fucking cool. Um, you know, extra heads, um, little extra like more um white scars pouches and like a more a white scars um chain sword see how it's curved that's actually really cool it does look cool but can we talk about the engineering of that for a second how does that chain blade work where i don't see the teeth of it on the top end especially given that the guard is cut down yeah it's like it, it doesn't <laughs> have to make sense man it doesn't have to make sense it's a it's a chainsaw sword um and then yeah they get the transfers so like that's cool you know it's uh it's just like an an is what it is what it is sort of thing. Um, but here's the deal. Um, 
so we go on and this is all about chapter tactics so this came out today um and first thing they go off was crimson fists well let's let's skip ahead on a thing because i think this is a more important part to talk about and that is chapter tactics will apply to everything in the army so they're fixing that and they said they're going to update it for everybody so you know look forward to your ball predator you know getting plus one to wound the turn it charges I am, I am ready for my Storm Raven gunships to have plus one to wound in their kamikaze runs. Right. So, so we've got that. Um, yeah, but what it helps is like specifically, it's ultramarines are the ones that that get really good, and like iron iron fists or I mean iron hands, iron hands, ah, iron hands get better, right? Because now their tanks are getting the feel no pain. Uh, ultramarines, you know, ultramarine predator can now fall back and shoot is what it's going to be. So that's a big change, right, for them. Like, Ultramarines, I think, get a lot better with from that specific change. Um, anyway, so Crimson Fist, right, when resolving an attack made by a model with this tactic against a unit that contains at least five more models than that model's unit, add one to the hit roll. For the purposes of this tactic, a vehicle model with this tactic counts as five models. In addition, when resolving an attack made with a bolt weapon, by a model with this tactic, an unmodified six scores an additional hit. Um, honestly, the second part is probably the better one. The first part's really conditional. They're good at killing hordes. Like, uh, you know, they're going to get plus one to hit against hordes. And, I mean, they're good at getting hordes in general. Like, their bolter weapons, you know, get an extra hit on sixes. So, like, Crimson Fist kill orcs and Gene Stealer cult and guardsmen and plague bearers a lot better than the other space marine chapters do in a vacuum you know when you don't count like what characters they have and stuff like that so it's an okay one um they're redoing the stalker bolt rifle so damage two that's the change is it's damage two now wow gonna be so that's the sniper one right yeah. So th- yeah, thirty-six inch. It still it was. It's this. No change. No change. No change. No change. To the AP, but the damage two is a big one. Yeah, so, I mean, back to the death marks, right? If if their sniper bolt gun equivalent it was just damage two, I mean, that's a game changer. I mean, that that's nice. I mean, honestly, like the death marks probably the, so, so a profile like this damage two or damage D three with like an AP of one or two for the death marks is probably what it should be for their points. But so for, uh, for all you uh, low key dark Eldar hating tournament tournament players, here's an alert. That's an elite dark Eldar killing weapon right there. I mean, that gun is powerful enough to easily destroy any Raider or, or uh, venom with little effort. Yeah, I mean it's it's long enough range. A thirty six inch. That's the thing. Thirty six inch is the blaster range too, isn't it? Uh, no. The bla- the blaster range is eighteen inches. It can be as high as twenty four if the right cabal is being chosen. But that cabal typically isn't on the competitive lists. But the key aspect here for me is the AP value is minus two and the damage is two. I know you're probably thinking strength four, but guess what? Most of their vehicles are toughness five. So this is this is exactly what you want to be shooting at their vehicles and their characters, hell, even their grotesques and their uh, Talos engines. I mean, this is absolutely an anti-Dark Eldar weapon if I've ever seen one. 
Yeah, I mean the range is good. It's like the only the only thing on it is like the heavy one, but you know you can figure out stuff. I mean, someone's got to stay back, so Dylan. it really puts you in decisions between this. <laughs> it puts you in decisions between like this and and other other units like eliminators and things like that, like intercessors with this versus eliminator. It really it puts some choices in your head. Well, you um, know what else what that's really do. good at, at killing. In fact, is it's actually the Necron vehicles are su- supremely vulnerable to that. I mean. The the Ravager disintegrator weapons that everybody really doesn't like, they're strength five AP minus three damage too. But the thing that really is making them good against Necron vehicles is the damage two part because the quantum shielding can almost never roll under the two. And I know it's one less strength, but you got thirty six inches on a heavy one infantry platform weapon. And I just said Gilliman, you know, I could see a Gilliman stalker bolt rifle gun line essentially. And it being extremely effective, I mean, depending on how many points this weapon option costs, like, this is a winner to me. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be, obviously, but, um, and the thing is, it's still a bolt weapon. So you're talking about, like, this and... Bolter drill. Bolter <laughs> drill. Well, bolter drill won't work, right, because that's the rapid fire thing. But oh, okay, the, yeah. But the yeah. stock of bolt rough, I'm talking about, like, the crimson fist, like, on a six, you get an extra hit. You know, like, there, there's some benefits of this if you take a lot of them with Gilliman, with the rerolls, like, more opportunities, but... I mean, obviously, Crimson Fist won't benefit from the reroll, but um, when you go into the Black Templar, so they got a slight tool, they got an added benefit, so they still reroll the charge either dice, so it's either um, any or all of the charge dice when they reroll a charge, so they're more like way more likely to get the charge. So they got like the orb yeah. version of it, which I is remember, really way better. I remember the debate we had about that when the 8th edition first started. We were like, well, it's actually not that good because you got to reroll all the dice, but now it's just better. Yeah, and then in addition, when they take a when they take a wound as a result of a mortal wound, roll a d6, and they ignore it on a five up. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, really so they just, they just ignore mortal wounds on a five up, which you know, and I assume they're still going to get the stratagem to to four up, deny a a, a, um, a psychic power, you know. So I mean, when when you're rolling against things that are throwing out a lot of smites, like they're pretty good. I mean, like against a, a smite heavy army, you know, and targeted smite army, like they, they have a five up feel of pain versus all your stuff. Like uh, it gets a little bit better. It's a lot better than, you know, playing custodians and it's a six up versus wounds caused in the psychic phase. Yeah. Right? It's not black quite Templars. as good. Just... Yeah. The, the black Templars are, are shooting a shot across the bowel of uh, any, uh, Tyranid Zoanthrope army right now with that chapter tactic. Oh, yeah. And then um, going on Imperial Fist. So when resolving an attack made with a ranged weapon by a model with this tactic, it does not receive the benefit of its cover. It's pretty good. They got Tesla Maybe weapons. True. And you get the Tesla. So unmodified six gets an additional hit as well. So this one you see it's like a combo. I thought it was cool on this. So they kind of got so Imperial Fist and Crimson Fist have that part in common and they just have a different other part of their benefit. Yeah. Right. So it's cool, right? And it totally makes sense with them that they like they still fight in sort of a similar way with being good at the bolters, but then they just get different. You know, one's more you know, worry about siege and cover. So um, what do you think what do you think about the stalker bolt rifle? You think that would that would work with an additional hit on that since it's a bolt weapon? Yeah, it's a bolt weapon. Because later, I remember the thing it's, um, in the FAQs, anything that has the word bolt yeah. in it is a bolt weapon. 
There you so, go, guys. Make your Imperial Fist Stalker bolt rifle gun lines. I mean, that's an amazing gun. That's a good chapter tactic to combo with it. Yeah, I think I think now it's more valid to take like the full battalion and like you do the stalker bolt rifles and you do the centurion devastators with the hurricane bolters and the the heavy bolters with the with the the extra you know throwing mortal wounds down from the detachment and then you're sitting there of like you're you're plopping down mortal wounds on vehicles um and you're you're getting extra hits um in addition to, so you're getting extra hits on this and then getting mortal wounds on the wound roll and and i think it it's going to make that even stronger than it already is. People are already playing it and doing well with it. So I think, I think Imperial Fist um, will be improving compared to the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. I mean, Will's going to laugh at me, but I always really like the aesthetic of the Imperial Fist. And I often think about making them my new uh, Space Marine chapter. It, it, it's a big debate I have internally. And one of the things that was really holding me back in 8th edition is their chapter, chapter tactic had been just really bad. That's... That's doable. I, I could do things with that. I mean, you see it here. It's, oh, yeah. I think they looks have, here's I mean, some stalker bolt rifles and there's a Centurions. Yeah. <laughs> it might just be me, but I think the yellow looks really great on the Space Marine models. I think, you know, and the lore behind it too. The, you know, the, the Guardians of Terra. I mean, it's it's pretty powerful. Yeah, I think it, they, they look really cool and they're good. And um, it's just, it's difficult to paint the yellow. And I think that's yeah. a big challenge for a lot of people. It's not an easy color to paint. So, so Ultramarines, um, it's exactly the same. Um, yeah, which tells you it was too good to begin with. <laughs> everyone, everyone else is getting extra stuff or getting retooled versions. Uh, Ultramarines, no change. Um, in terms of chapter tactic, exactly the same versus the field. Um, there, but they do get better because of the of the application of it to the whole army. Um, this is just the second where it applies to all units, so it's like, yeah, it's going to be good. So, like, they essentially called out what I called out is that like a freaking land raider, or more importantly for them right now, a predator with like all the last cannons on it can fall back and blow stuff up. So yeah, yeah, or a uh, demolisher cannon from a vindicator. Man, I haven't seen a Vindicator on the table in a very long time. And the Vindicator is by far the coolest looking tank in the 40k universe, and that thing is a piece of shit on the table. Yeah, it's like you gotta bring three of them. Like, man, I hope they they fix that one. I mean, that one's based on stratagem, right? Like, yeah, it's the stratagems that make it good or bad. I mean, that in the range, right? Like, a 24 range is not good. You can't have a unit that is serviceable only through the success of a stratagem. That's that's just not good. Because yeah. the, the gun's just not long enough range. Anyway, let's move let's move along because we got a lot of these to go. Um so uh back in the saddle. Yeah. So they can they can um advance or fall back in charge. Um and bikers uh don't suffer for moving and firing heavy weapons or advancing and firing assault weapons. So like you've got your your um attack bikes um can can move, advance, shoot their heavy weapons and assault people. Um which and is cool. And don't forget our primaris bikers are coming. Yeah, that's going to be so good. Yeah, I mean, this is a really great chapter tactic. I mean, 
shockingly, bikes have not been dominant at all in 8th edition. And once those new Primaris bikes come out, and with the changes to the Space Marine Army, is that that's going to end. I, it's going to be a dominant meta strategy competitively. It's always been competitively throughout 40k, and it's a shocker that it hasn't been yet in 8th edition. Yeah, I mean, I saw someone play a bunch of uh, a bunch of the chaos bikers you were talking about, um, yes. and do really well um, with the, just like <laughs> just just bolter it up and then add yeah. some. I think you added Slanesh. some Elsa in there. Yeah, just doing uh, things with Slanesh bikers. Yeah, it's actually pretty effective. Yeah, and then and we go Raven Guard. So Raven Guard got retooled. Yeah, is we're going to get retold. So when resolving an attack made with a ranged weapon against a unit with this tactic by a model that is more than twelve inches away, treat it as being in cover. So that's everything. Yeah. Um, and get, get if ready, it's not a vehicle, and is entirely on or within a train feature, then give it the minus one to hit. Yep. Get ready to get nerfed, Ally Talk, and all you other factions out there that have the neg one. And you know what this really means? Yes that GW is listening to us and reigning in the rules. But for all you Dark Eldar haters out there, they just got a little bit better because none of the Dark Eldar factions have access to this broken rule anyways. Yeah, so since all this really is, is like, hey, they're in cover. Um, and then they're always in cover if you're outside of 12. And then if they would get cover anyway and you're not a vehicle, then you get minus one to hit, right? So yeah. it's... You have to stack it up. Well, like, oh, if I would if I would get the first part anyway, then I'll give you another dip benefit, right? Yeah. So if you're talking about like, you know, eliminator Raven Guard eliminators that were in cover anyway, shooting through the walls, no change. But if you're talking about, I don't know, a a relic contemptor dreadnought with two twin las cannons and a missile rack on top, shooting across the table, like that one-up armor save on that bad boy is looking real good yeah because, because they are in cover yeah yeah it, it's good i mean it's not as good as the the universal minus one to hit i mean because of all the nonsense that accompanies that on the opposite end of the table as well but um raven guard aren't bad they're still good now with this and you know, I don't know what the stratagems are going to end up looking like, but when 8th edition was first launching and I saw some of the stratagems, I thought Raven Guard was going to be the army to play. And then they quickly uh, nerfed their hide in the shadows stratagem. But um, I think that's still a really powerful stratagem and it makes this army very, very deadly, potentially, depending on the builds. All they're really missing is a Primarch, honestly. And, and, and I think any Space Marine army and any faction can say, all we're missing is a Primark, AK. All we're missing is a guy that lets us universally re-roll everything. Um, yeah, I mean, because you're talking about, like, however good the, like, Gilliman with Ultramarines is, like, they're using repulsors and stuff anyway, yeah. right? If th that can already fall back and shoot. Yeah. So you're talking about you come out and you get, you know, a Raven Guard. If Ra Raven Guard get Primark, Oh, you, yeah. run this, you run it exactly the same, except, and it's exactly the same in every way, except they have a two-up armor. Yep. And as opposed to a three-up armor, but yep. still get all the rerolls. And so maybe they don't have as many CP because, like, Gilman gets CP and, like, 
you know, it's going to be different. Like the the Primex are always going to have like the other fluff is probably going to be different. I would see that they get the reroll everything for all of them, and then, you know, some some don't do CP. They get some other benefit. You know, like Gilliman's is CP and Return from the Dead, and 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 that is his thing. But um, in addition to his weapon loadout, but you know, I would say it Raven Guard would be. If with these chapter tactics, if they have their Primarch, they're better with the current army that all yeah. Marines are winning with. Right. And, and and look at what we're really talking about here with the Raven Guard. This is basically pseudo custodies in terms of durability. Yeah, with some of the stuff like especially like the it's it's the vehicles as the thing. When you're talking about yeah. like, when you're talking about a one up armor save vehicle. Right. That is that that has a five up invuln, yep. you know, or like the the Dorado dreads. Like I, th- I don't know if they have a two up or a three up armor, but whatever it is, like improving their up. armor. Yeah. Yeah. Improving it above with their invuln, you know, a Leviathan with a one up armor. Jeez. Yeah, that'd be vicious. I mean, the saving even... grace on that is that the range of their weapons is eighteen, so like you can get within the twelve relatively quickly if they can shoot you, but. Yeah, but that's where, you know, your your standard Dreadnought carrying two LAS cannons or a LAS cannon and a missile launcher is actually pretty good in a Raven Guard army and, and not something that you're going to get to easily. Yeah, I mean, a Venerable Dread is a two-up armor, right? So. Yeah, I mean, this Raven Guard tactic is, is not as good as it was, but in a lot of ways, it's still extremely good. I think it's good. I think... I think it's good when you realize that you can put it's the vehicles gaining the right. benefits of cover. Exactly. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. It's the fact that we can layer this ability now to vehicles makes this just completely nuts. And the fact that I can still gain my old benefits as an infantry winning cover, it's just it's really nice. I mean, I would love to have one plus terminators with a minus one to hit me in cover because I'm far away. I mean, that would be great. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing to interesting thing too on this is that um I guess infantry I don't think there are any terrain features that if an infantry is entirely on or within they don't get the benefit of of cover. There's a few but, yeah, but this one just it, it does say that you know they just get the cover and right. then they get the minus one. So even like they'll always get the benefit of the cover if they're outside twelve, even if they're on a train piece. It's not, and all they have to be is on or within. It doesn't say that they have if they benefit from cover. Otherwise, they get the minus one. Just they right. just have to be on or within a train feature. So right. even if they retool terrain or do something like that, where some grant cover and some don't, like they're going to get that. So that's just a minor concern, right? And then you get down to salamanders. So this is this is the one that's near and dear to me. Um, when a unit with this tactic fires Overwatch or is chosen to shoot or fight with, you can reroll a single hit roll, and you can reroll a single wound roll. When resolving an attack made with a weapon that has an armor penetration characteristic of minus one, that weapon is treated as having an armor penetration of zero. So ignore armor penetration of minus one. So like that's that's it's they they reworded the beginning. Um, it I th- I think it's. I don't know if it's going to get a w- rid of when you shoot extra times with the with the ancient, like when people die, because um, I think it's still b- 
being chosen to shoot at a separate instance. So when a guy dies and gets to shoot from death, I would um, agree I, with you. I, I think he still gets to shoot. Yeah. But I think it is a little bit more clear. Um, and it does include Overwatch, which is something before. Like, it's a little bit more specific. Before it was whenever it shoots or fights. Um, now it's whenever it's chosen to over, when it fires Overwatch or it's chosen to shoot or fight. Like, it's a little bit more specific. So I like it. Um, and it clarifies it. Um, but in the second part, I mean, it's only an added benefit. There's a lot of minus one weapons out there. Um, keeping your three up armor is big. Um, you know, it's yeah. not going to help against, you know, like the the Eldar weapons and Dark Eldar weapons. And the, a lot of the things like that are their higher AP. But um, it's going to help you in the mirror match, right? And yeah. if Marines across the board get stronger, oh, I'm glad you have all these fancy intercessor guns. They do nothing to me. Oh, and let's not forget to mention the fact that the first part of their chapter tactics was arguably on its own one of the better chapter tactics available to Space Marines in general. And yeah, now I mean, we apply one, the reason why I want to run, you know, the 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 contemptors and you know contemptors with C beams, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fact that that this now applies to vehicles too is, it, it could be a game changer. It really could. It just depends how the vehicles change in terms of their points, and what new things get added between now and the end of this rule set being valid. Yeah, because I mean, you're you're talking about some of the bigger tanks, like the like things with like Sakarans and other laser swords, stuff, things that have big guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about like the the new repulsor, right? That has a big main gun, um, on it, and and that one can reroll now. Like it, it, it becomes a lot more interesting, um, especially because that one has a min damage of three, so you're kind of protected on the damage part. So yeah. all you have to do is make sure you wound. Well, you know, and, and, and the other thing is going back to the vehicle side of the story for the Salamanders, right? One of the easiest way to nickel and dime vehicles is with AP minus one. It's cheap. It's fairly plentiful. And moving from a three to a four up save is a fairly big difference. But you negate that, too. I mean, it's just that's it, just really good. Yeah, because the, the three to a four up, you're you're. You're getting a 50 percent increase in the number of wounds that you're doing to that and, and, and you're taking that away. You're also telling basically the entire Necron army to go to hell too. I mean, that's another added benefit of this. <laughs> that's funny. Um, and so I think this is the last hand. I, I, I haven't been counting. So, so here we've got iron hands, right? Um, they still get the, the six up feel no pain. Um, and then they get essentially they overwatch on fives and sixes and um, they still their vehicles double the wounds for damage table. So let's let's break down what's happening here. Iron Hand says we're going to keep our chapter tactics. We're going to steal one of the Tau chapter tactics. Oh, and by the way, we're going to take uh, I end in craft world ability too. we're going to take all three of those. Yep. Yeah. So it's so it's six up, feel no pain, and then their tau step chapter tactic, <laughs> and and uh, and and their vehicles can go. So I mean, like the on this one, I mean, you're talking about vehicles, like big vehicles, are really really good with this. Um, you know, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. 
a vehicle with as many hurricane bolters as you can put on it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to like freaking charge that. that one. No, I mean it it's all about weight of dice now. I mean a an iron hands land speeder might be a truly terrifying sight with the right armament. I mean honestly what I think is that the the regular it's oh. kind of annoying to me. It's like the repulsor or the or the repulsor executioner. The problem is, is like the damn thing costs like almost as much yeah. as a knight. Is, well, you know what I, you know what is I that you can put it right up in the face of orcs. Yeah. And it's like, well, you're going to charge me because I'm going to kill a lot of you and then I'm going to run away. Um, granted, they might kill it, right? Because it's got 12 or 14 wounds, 14 wounds. But um but it's a pretty good speed bump and it'll kill a lot of stuff, especially if it's just getting up there. And even and the big thing is when it's damaged, you get it up there and it still is, uh, is hanging out. So, so same situation that you just described, but instead of a repulsor, a Leviathan siege dreadnought with the guns that shoot a lot. I mean, that would just absolutely wreck an orc player's day. Oh, the storm cannon array. The... Yeah. Two of them, you know, I, we're going to shoot you like, 20 times in Overwatch, and I'm going to get, you know, probably four kills at least. Yeah, probably. I mean, that thing is scary. Um, and it's still hitting on twos, even it's um, in the and when it goes up there and shoots the first time when on your turn um, because it didn't de- degrade. So that's it for the Space Marine stuff. I think overall, um, I mean, they improved, they improved it it's did is it going to get improved enough um i don't know i mean they're getting they're getting we talked about they're getting new units they're getting new retooled chapter tactics they're getting more stratagems they're they're getting more complex better probably better chapter um, chaplain abilities um because that's the thing is like the chaplain right now it buffs combat yeah but the the chaos space brain chapter version does not it buffs all kinds of things yeah it can sit there and like buff your shooting and buff your durability and they're way more useful and so when we see what those are going to be like for space marines um that really is going to have a huge effect i think primaris chaplains are going to be probably a good investment for people um going forward in armies and and that's something that probably no one was taking other than maybe blood angels no Um, even blood angel armies aren't taking chaplains i mean it's it's just not worth it i mean maybe you take astarath to invoke his bath salts ability as i call it but other than that you know they're not good choices yeah so but i think i think chaplains are going to be a good choice um I mean, it's hard for not at least one of their those litanies of battle to be good when there's seven of them, right? I mean, that's just the, the way yeah. it is. I, mean, I assume it's going to be one that you just get and then six that you can pick from, which is like the Chaos Space Marines one. Yeah, um, bottom line, he'll probably at least have one ability that is relevant to whatever particular Space Marine army you're bringing in terms of composition and chapter tactics, whereas... Right now, Chaplain is really only relevant to armies that want to get in close combat anyways. Yeah, and, and so that's... It's just going to have a lot of options. It's going to make a lot more choices for you. Um, 
as a space marine player and i mean that's a good thing like the more choices are are good and when you have a lot of choice um and you don't know what to take because that thing is clearly the best i mean either the whole codex is awful or <laughs> the whole codex is good right <laughs> um but um but they're changing so many things um and we know parts of them are improving um i would err on the side of of pre-faq like the the week after or two week after launch faq the space spring codex is going to be really good yes because it, it when you have the response you know has been for space Marines is like people only play ultramarines and that's pretty much it and people hemming and hawing and complaining about how bad they are and then you're like okay well rewrite your rules you know but two two years later is be less than two years it'll be i think it's going to be like uh 20 months or something like that after the the release yeah Uh, because it came out in november um of 2017 yeah, it's a quick turnaround. I mean, getting at the point that you're making, though, and the question that you ask, you know, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I think the Space Marines are going to be way more competitive right now uh, after this release than they are currently. The, the eternal question that everyone's always interested in, you know, are they going to be one of the top armies? And that's hard to say. I mean, after the release, you know, maybe they're a top army. You know, I haven't seen enough here to absolutely convince me that they will be. But will their improved stature remain improved? I think that's all dependent on if this is just a retool to the Space Marines because GW realizes they don't work, or this is the first in a line of retools where we start to see the old-fashioned power creep that we always see in Warhammer over time, right? Because there's some other codexes out there that could really use some help, you know? Uh, And no one's going to want to hear me say this, but craft world eldar they're not that good and there's not very many things that they can do uniquely in a tournament setting uh to be good so they probably need some reworking and if they get that you know following the space marine release it's not necessarily true that they won't be significantly better yeah where it's like oh space marines could be good and they're good for this until the next release Right, and they immediately get pushed down by the other thing that gets you know if, if you if you overfix space marines, you know even an FAQ may not recover them. Right, and it's too now it's at this point it's too late for chapter approve. Chapter approve is at the printer, so right. the, they're not gonna if if this is if space marines come out and it's broken, good, it's gonna be broken until the spring FAQ. Right. Yep. And, and that's just going to be what it is. That's the earliest time that they would possibly change points. They don't even like to change points then. They only did it for the Knights because people screamed about it because they didn't adjust the points in Chapter Approved because it was too late. So, Yeah, and the Knights, you know, everybody saw that coming a million miles away. They were just too damn good for their cost. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah, I mean, like, they, they just so, you know... There's a possibility that space marines become overpowered. That'll depend on the if they do points changes in this book. Um, you know, they didn't really do many points changes in the. I don't think or any points changes in the KS Space Marine book. All the stuff was the same as it was in Chapter Approved. Um, 
whether that's they already had both ready or you know and and adjusted it to it or not like i don't know so it could be that space marines get an adjustment in their points now because and then chapter approval won't be any changes because they're aligned and and they, they won't be changing it in chapter approved because they're just going to be exactly what the codex one is um like i don't know like that'll be that'll be interesting thing to see but when you're talking about the line like the primaris line is getting filled out um with units i mean the the getting the the shadow spear box um being put all those phobos marines and stuff getting put as individual boxes now and being going buy them separately and get their full kits um you know i i mean i look forward to seeing what an anti-tank eliminator looks like like are they still going to be able to shoot through walls like <laughs> that's that's going to be the interesting part you know stuff like that of, of like what, what is going to keep like these kind of rules getting released is, there's still so much in question about about it and obviously you can always make anything competitive if you pointed enough i mean like yeah, yeah. if I, if i can feel 200 marine bodies for 2000 points it will be good yeah yeah no doubt no doubt like no. you know if, if, if there's always a point level where anything is good you know if if guardsmen were two points each they're i mean we saw it when they were three points each they were really good <laughs> because you could flood the table with them yeah um and you just couldn't kill them fast enough you know you know so there's always level on that but but i think the rules are catching up for the primaris that they're realizing that like you know the reavers was just like what do they do? And now they're actually doing things. They release models that do something that the infiltrators, they do something. They say gene stealer cult. You cannot drop three inches away from me and shoot me to death with flamers gene stealer cult. You cannot drop nine inches away and then get a bunch of bonuses to your charge. So you only need to roll a five to charge me. Not going to happen. You have to be outside of 12, which means you cannot even declare a charge. Yep. Right. And yeah, and you know, for me as primarily a Blood Angels player, I think the big question is with this big Space Marine reboot, do we finally see credible, efficient, competitive options for relief-focused Space Marine armies? So when you know you're playing against a Space Marine player, you're not quite sure what list to run because they truly are a Swiss Army knife. They can have a credible shooting list. They can have a credible vehicle list. They can have a credible psyker list. Oh, and by the way, they can have a credible assault phase. And if we start to see new Primaris models that are catering to the assault uh, version of combat, which we've seen some, I think we can quickly get there. And the Space Marines in general can be a very versatile, very adaptive, very competitive force in general in any sort of uh, tournament setting. Oh, oh, one thing I forgot. So I, I totally forgot about this. So I want to bring this back up before I forget. Um, so they are releasing data cards for every chapter, right? Well, Ultramarines have their own psychic discipline. White Scars are going to have their own psychic discipline. So there's going to that that would tell me, you know, you're going to get a Raven Guard psychic discipline, which could be freaking nuts because a Raven guard one is probably going to have a bunch of sneaky crap. And then the Phobos discipline already has a bunch of sneaky crap. Um, and then, 
uh, you know, you're going to have an iron, an iron hands one. And so that, that's an interesting part on it is that you're going to have chapter specific psychic disciplines for these, which th this is going to be the biggest, most complex space Marine release ever. Like this version of space Marines is going to be bigger and more than anything that's ever been here before. The number of options you're going to have and like building a space Marine list for a new person is actually going to be really difficult. Um, if if they're trying to look at all of this, if they want to look at the rules before deciding on what chapter. For a person that's like, I like the way that it looks, and they buy the models, and they just buy the codex, it's going to be set, right? Where it's like, hey, I'm using white scars. I like them. I'm going to use storage speaking discipline or librarian's discipline. And like, I've got my two books that tell me what I'm playing. But if you're trying to look at all, what is this? I'm trying to count it up again. So six books six seven books five yeah seven books total um the the six supplements in the in the main book and trying to decide what you want to play that is going to be nearly impossible it's a daunting task and, and, and honestly so as a professional game designer myself uh this is a very counterintuitive decision, I think, on Games Workshop's part, because I think one of the gists of 8th edition was we want to simplify and streamline rules. And it's very odd for me to see them saying, okay, so we've got one interchangeable faction, essentially, and now you're going to have seven different source compendiums for that faction. This is almost a complete reversal of what their policy has been to date on, on this. And, you know, this is how we got the Decurions in 7th edition. And I'm curious to see where this is gonna go. So, anyway, with that, um, I think that's a good place to to end it, unless you want us to talk about Sisters of Battle. But nobody cares <laughs> about good. Sisters of Battle. Thanks, everyone. This has been Stiffneck Radio Podcast. You can find us at stiffneckstudio.com or on YouTube, Stiffneck Radio. And be sure to check us out and like us on Facebook at Stiffneck Studio.